uh, StorySide family. We are so thankful for uh, Pastor Micah and Pastor Angel and for the rest of the pastoral staff. Let's give them a hand. I appreciate all of them. And for the privilege of sharing uh, today. Now, um, Marge and I have been a part of StorySide for almost four years. I said three years. Time flies when you're having fun uh, on Thursday night, but it's been about four years. And I, I want to tell you why we chose StorySide as, uh, as our home church. Uh, one is Jesus Christ is lifted up and honored in this place. The second reason is the Word of God is preached. And, and that is so very important. And then thirdly, the presence of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by lives being changed. And so we are so thankful to be a part of the, of the uh, family here at StorySide. Now, Pastor Michael always begins with a little bit of humor. <laughs> and so as not to disappoint, there was an older blonde lady. She went to her attorney and she says, I want to divorce my husband. And he said to her, well, do you have grounds? And she stopped for a moment and she said, uh, uh, grounds? She talked like this. And she says, yes, we have grounds. We have about two acres. Two acres out there on the outside of town with fruit trees and a pond. And the attorney said back to her, said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I, I, what I want to know is, do you have a grudge? And she said, yeah, uh, a garage? Yeah, we have a garage. We have a two-car garage. But we only have one car, so we use the rest of it for storage. Now, he's getting exasperated at this point, and he, and he looks at her and he says, does he beat you up? Uh, no, he doesn't beat me up. I get up about 6.30 in the morning, and, uh, <laughs> and he, he sleeps in until usually I'm going for work. And finally, he had had it. He said, so why do you want a divorce? And she said, well, because we just can't seem to communicate anymore. <laughs> and as Michael would say, that's not funny. Maybe just a little bit, just a little bit. Well, we are in a series as, uh, as we get started here entitled, This Is Us. And it's a very important one in that we're talking about family, family relationships. And being a part of a family is something that we all have in common. And uh, something that, that has a tremendous influence and impact in our lives. It is God's design. Family is a design by God. It's His idea. In fact, we find uh, in Genesis, when he saw that man was alone, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so then he created a help me. And he, he said, this help me is suitable for him. And, and boy, somebody said he needed a lot of help. And then he continued on with family, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. And then even after Adam and Eve fell into sin, he continued on using family to pass on uh, the, the precepts and the principles of the kingdom as he prophesied that he would bring about salvation through the seed of woman. And then 
we find that throughout the ages that God continues to utilize families to build his kingdom and to teach one generation to another about God. In fact, we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, a passage of scripture that's often read at baby dedications. And what I really love about this passage of scripture is that it's direct and to the point. And let me read this passage for us to remind us once again of the importance of what God is trying, is, is not trying, but is doing through family. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now the first precept here is that there is one only true God. And then he goes on and he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I have given you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You see, one of the things I, I, I see when I, I put my glasses on, no, I do. <laughs> one of the things that, that I see in this passage of Scripture is that the, the good news of God is to be relevant. It is something that is to be integrated into life. It is something that is, is to, to be talked about. He is someone to be talked about and integrated into daily living. And so family, as we're growing up, has a tremendous influence on us. It is God's design from the first moments that that child is taken from the womb of the mother and placed upon her chest to the point where the the parents are to be that support and, and helping that child, providing for their every need, and helping to promote positive growth and development in their lives. When we talk about family, if I were just simply to do a word association with you, and I said family, some of you, when you hear that word, it it triggers some very positive feelings inside of you and thoughts and memories. It brings about a sense of happiness and joy. That's not to say that there were not difficult times in your family. We all have them. There are no perfect families, that's for sure. But for the most part, when you think of family, family is a happy, positive thought. For others... When I say the word family, not so much. And part of the reason for that is because growing up for you was a, a, a painful process. It was a difficult time. And while there may have been some good places and good times in life, by and large, when, when you hear the word family and you begin to reminisce, it's somewhat negative. Well, the family does have a significant impact upon us on what we believe and how we are shaped as individuals and who we are today. It is the, the very place where we learn 
in those formative years about love or hate, about forgiveness or getting even, about if you can trust others or you should mistrust others, about valuing others or just look out for number one, about the value of work or should you be just looking for a a handout for your personal worth that we could amount to something that we were that, that we could be make a difference a positive difference in life or that we weren't worth anything and that we were a loser and we never would amount to much of anything the lessons learned in those early developmental years are cataloged in our minds and in our hearts and becomes a part of who we are in our belief system. I want you to think about that for a moment as the phrase or the comes on the screen that I think highlights that thought. And so we come to believe about ourselves and virtually everything else in life according to what significant others tell us through words and actions. The fact of the matter is, is that in every home, including yours and mine, there is an invisible book. Now, this book is visible, but if you go home and you look for the invisible book, you won't find it there because it's invisible. But we have made the book visible for purposes of the, of the message today as an example. And in every home, there is this invisible book and it contains within it, within the pages, and everybody within the family knows what's in there. It contains the lessons of life as taught by the principles and the people that are in the home. And... If you think that there aren't rules, violate one of them. Because <laughs> there's also a chapter in there about uh, when somebody steps outside the rules, how to punish them and to bring them back into the family circle. We've all experienced that. Now, uh, bring them back or, or not, because there are some families that if you cross a certain line, there is no coming back. There is a, a chapter on excommunication in here. And for some folks, if you cross a certain line, there, there's a shunning that goes on. And there may be some or one or someone here that understands what I'm talking about. And that's a painful reality. Maybe even right now for you, you're cut off from family members in your life. And, and they won't return your calls. And, and you, don't have, you don't have contact with them. And you know the painful reality of that rule that's in that book. But in that book, there, there, there are critical lessons that you and I are taught. And think about a, a, a four, five, six-year-old, that, that these lessons are being taught in an unfiltered fashion day after day through word and action. And, and by the way, where the words and the actions don't agree, action always trumps the word. But you learn about uh, honesty and dishonesty. 
when you're supposed to tell the truth and when it's okay to lie. Respect and disrespect. Uh, responsibility and irresponsibility. Patience or impatience. How to express anger or not express anger. How to express love. Or maybe, or maybe that's not quite done in our home. Or how to settle differences if you settle them or do you just let them build up and then you just sort of walk away from it all. And then there's a chapter in here on God. There's a chapter in here on God. Does God exist? And if God exists, what is God like? Does he know about me? Does he care about me? Does he love me? Is he relevant to my daily living? Or is he just a, a God out there in the cosmos somewhere and, you know, I'm just down here doing my thing? What is God like? You know, one of the things that, that startled me over the course of the last couple of weeks, and I picked it up from the radio, it was talking about a Gallup poll that was done recently, and it said that one out of five Americans have no religious identification. So, there is also that sense that, therefore, when, when we have this notebook that is being formulated page after page, day after day, and by the way, there's a his and hers, blue and pink, There's a his and hers, and so it is through that notebook then that, that, that man and woman come together and they seek to formulate one generation later another family. And that process is a synthesizing of those two books. Now, that could be a painful process. It can be hard. Be difficult. Now, now, where there's agreement in here, even if there's agreement on what is wrong, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of fussing about that. But where there are differences, depending on how important the difference is, there could be some fireworks. Some real fireworks. Hard times. And some folks never resolve those. They've been arguing about these things, trying to figure this out for years, right? <laughs> well, let's, let's take a look. See, in her book, there's a chapter in here about issues. Issues. When there is a serious issue in her book, you deal with this issue until it's done. You stay at it day and night, night and day. You don't let it go until it's resolved in the right way. And so if you have to lose sleep over it, you, 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 if you go without food, but you resolve the issue, no matter what it takes. Now let's check it out and see how that's going to match up with his book. Because in his book over here, issues, there it is, issues. When the issue gets hot, drop it. 
When the issue gets hot, drop it and acquiesce. That just simply means say whatever you say, honey. I think I'll go out in the garage and tinker. Or I think it's time to go to bed. And you know what that's going to result in? That's just like you, isn't it? The minute we get into a conversation about something important, you want to drop in, you just give in to me, and you want to go out into the garage and tinker. And now you want to go to bed. Well, guess what? I'm going to bed too. And up the steps they go. Still at it. Because she's determined to fulfill the mandate to get her done. Well, that's just one example. Now, in, 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 in my notebook, for instance, Marge and I, you know, we've been married now for 34 years. She's out here, so if it's not right, I'm hoping she'll help me out. But there is a chapter in here that I'm still dealing with. In her book, it says, wait a minute, it's a pink, this is a pink book. I got to get the pink. In the pink book, it says that when an appliance fails to work, Right here, appliances. <laughs> it says the man of the house is supposed to fix it. It says it right there. Now, let's check mine out, all right, over here. All right, here we go. Appliances. When an appliance fails to work, there are going to be a lot of unmet expectations. <laughs> but call the repair man quick. And you know, all through the years, whenever something is, uh, is, is not working properly, I know that there's that expectation. It just kind of bothers me a little bit. But you know, my wife is very adaptable, so I want you to know she has got the best look of toolkit you ever did see that belongs to her. I don't know what's all in that toolkit, but I see her use it every once in a while, and sometimes I, I do try. I want you to know, fellas, I, I really do try. Sometimes, though, kicking it just won't work. So, our families do have an impact, and we carry it on. We pass it. We pass what we've learned along. We synthesize it. And you can tell the level of conflict uh, is usually dependent upon a couple of factors. One is, one is the issue of, of recognizing how high the expectation is. See, the higher the expectation, the greater the anger. Sometimes the things that happen or we say or we do, we may not know it, but it triggers some element of hurt or harm that came with them in their book. And we say something a certain way or we act a certain way and it, and it, and it triggers that trauma that they've experienced through life. Didn't even know it. But that can be very problematic as well. But there are times when family just doesn't work. When family doesn't work. And as we're seeking this morning to be mindful of family that we are a part of today, and I want you to do that. I want you to, I want you to think about uh, those beliefs and your own family as it exists right now. And I want you to be, uh, to ask the Holy Spirit to to just sort of help you to focus, to focus there for a few moments. And maybe there is an awareness that there are some aspects that's not working. 
I want you to know that you're not alone. You realize that the Bible only has four chapters where there is not sin. That is Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And as a result, then, there are some significant chapters dealing with the reality of what sin can do within the context of family relationships. It can be devastating. Think of Adam and Eve who sinned, and of course, Adam blamed Eve. Been doing that ever since. And then they parented two sons. And the one son killed the other. And then Abraham married two wives, breaking God's design, and eventually he kicked one of them out along with the child. Kicked them out of the house. Jacob married several wives, just like Grandpa did. And Jacob's 12 sons eventually threw the youngest in the ditch and sold him into slavery. And then David, he, he married many wives, and his son raped his sister. So as we look at the, at the Bible, we see the reality of what broken relationships, how broken relationships can result from missing the mark. And you see, that's, that's the, that word sin. In the original language, in the original language, the word is used, uh, would be used by an archer with a bow and arrow who would miss the mark, who would miss the bullseye. Miss the target. And that's the word, the root word for sin in the scripture. And so you may have an awareness, you may have an awareness this morning about some aspect of your family life that is not meeting or lining up with God's design. And so, what's the solution? What is the solution? These are not simple issues, right? These are things that, that, that sometimes are so uh, hardened in the belief system and in the heart. And there are so many voices, there are so many voices influencing the defining of right and wrong. In media, we're constantly bombarded, aren't we? Social media, constantly bombarded. Constant pressure about what is okay, what's not okay, what's right, what's wrong. So many voices. And what you and I choose to believe is incredibly important. Incredibly important. In fact, the scripture says this. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, you will become and you will do what you believe. Because what you believe is going to impact how you think. And how you think is going to impact how you feel. And how you feel is going to impact what you do. And if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. To say it another way, and, in, and this is the closest I'll ever come to a rap. Are you ready? Almost 60-year-old going to do a rap right here, right now. Here we go. If you always believe what you've always believed, 
Then you always think what you always thought. If you always think what you always thought, then you always feel the way you always felt. And if you always feel the way you always felt, then you always do what you've always done. If you always do what you've always done, then you always get what you always got. If you always do what you've always done, then you always get what you always got. And therefore... I need, some, I need some help with the, the... I didn't get the breathing right on that. I, <laughs> but here, do, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get something different in return is the very def, definition of? That's right. So don't walk out of here today destined and determined to keep doing what you've been doing if it's broken. Don't do it. So what's the fix? What's the solution? Told you that there are some dog-eared pages that represent those moments of life. Let me tell you what changed my life. In 1979, a then 19-year-old young man, out of control, had a drug and alcohol problem? Yes. Dr. B, Pastor B was not a Boy Scout. I didn't get all this from my family, of course, but I was listening to those other voices. And I was a bully. And I was angry on the inside. I didn't even like myself. I didn't even like myself. And I was searching for purpose. I was searching for meaning. In fact, I would think to myself, man, if this is all there is to life is this stuff. There's got to be something more. I even, like many do, thought about, you know, wouldn't it just be easy to take a short, just, just an out? But you see, I kept going kept turning over all the, the inevitable rocks and finding myself coming up the same empty. But I want you to know something. My grandmother was praying for me. Now, I know you, you'll like this name. Her name was Delcible. Yeah. Old name. Delcible. And I love Delcible, and Delcible loved me. And Delcible, when I would go visit her, I like to think I was kind of grandma's favorite. But we had some great times. I, I'd, go to, I'd go to grandma's house and she would say, Stevie, that's what she called me. She'd say, Stevie, you go out into the kitchen and get in the cookie jar, get some cookies and get some milk. And then before you sit down in here, I want you to go and get those Billy, that Billy Graham album, LP, records, Motorola, and I want you to put that Billy Graham sermon on. Now, Grandma had three or four of those, and I, I think I had pretty much those memorized. But I would do what Grandma Delcy told me to do. And I'd go put that on, and we'd listen together. My Grandma, she had arthritis. She'd sit over in the chair nervously clattering her dentures and, and working her hands. I loved that. I love my Grandma. And we'd listen together to Billy Graham, and Billy Graham would once again share the gospel, and I would hear it all the story all over again. 
But you know, I, I never really at that moment received him. And she would tell me, she would say, Stevie, you're never, never going to be contented in your heart until you receive Jesus into your life. So I went on my way and, and I was a train wreck happening. Didn't, didn't, didn't partake of what grandma was telling me about. And, and so I was asked to leave by my first college uh, for behavior on becoming a student. But it was at the next college that I started down the same pathway and I had wrapped all kinds of people around me that believed and was doing the same thing I was. But one day, one day, I was walking, I came into my, into my dorm room and I started thinking about my life. And all of a sudden, Grandma, Grandma's words came to me. Stevie, you will never be content in your life until you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And it all came together for me. There had to be something more to life than what I was experiencing. And I got down on my knees, 19 years old, in a dorm room, and I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin, which I had many. But I also did a second thing. I asked Him to come into my heart to be my Master and my Lord. And He did. And my life has never been the same since. Now, I want you to know it's not been a bowl full of cherries. There have been hard places and difficult times. But I want you to know that I did find contentment. And I want you to know now it's 40 years later. And when I added up the days, it just hit me. The Lord has sustained me for 40 years. I remember my friends would come to my dorm room and say, Oh, Burgraff, you're crazy. This isn't going to last. You know, all into this religious thing. But here I stand 40 years later. And the Lord has blessed me immensely. He has given me a beautiful Christian wife and, and two beautiful girls and two wonderful son-in-laws and, a, and a mom, my mom and pops, they got saved uh, not long after that. And uh, he's given me the most beautiful, absolutely beautiful, wonderful, indescribable grandson. He's uh, Russell. He's, he's quite a boy. So, you know, I had a lot of things wrong in my thinking then and probably do have lots of things wrong now. They're all going to get figured out when we get to heaven. But I do know this much, that it was impressed upon me that after I became a Christian that the key thing for me to do was to find out how God wanted me to live. That it was great that he forgave my sins, and I was so thankful for that. But I knew that also there had to be a better way. Now, I want you to know this is not my personal Bible. <laughs> but it is an example to show you that this is God's book. This is, this is his manual for living. And he wants us to become students of this book. Not only hearers of it, but doers also. In fact, he prayed a prayer in John chapter 17, and I, and I want us to listen carefully to it. He prayed this. This is before he ascended to heaven. This is what Jesus prayed for you and me. Listen to this. This is so precious. He said, now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing, so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. 
The godless world hated them because of it. Because they didn't join the world's ways just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. And then he says this, make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word, your word is consecrating truth. You see, it is the truth of God's word that he wants to use to design and shape what we believe in the way that we live our lives. And so I ask you this morning with with a great sense of passion in my heart, does the way that, 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 that you believe, that I believe, the way that we're living our lives, does it match up with, with God's word? And maybe you would say, well, you know, I'm a new Christian. This is all new to me. I, I understand that. I, well, I remember when I was a Christian, I, I was as green as grass, didn't know up from down, other than what Billy Graham said. But you know what? He's given you and me his word. Listen to what the scripture says. Listen to what what the word of God is like. Listen. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living. Is living and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. Piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Can I encourage you this morning? Can I encourage you to seek to become a student of God's word? To not only be a hearer, but also to be a doer? Because the scripture says in James chapter 1, verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. But for some of us this morning, it's not a matter of knowing what God's word says. It's a matter of our will to do it and to do it his way. There's a verse here for us too that is struggling. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold, another translation says. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what? My family's out of control. We have addiction. We have, we have hard words and anger that dominate our talk. Jesus is knocking. He is knocking on the door. He is knocking upon our heart's door. And, and I want to encourage us all to invite him in. Not only as Savior, but as Lord, as master of our lives. And I want you to know that this is not a self-improvement plan. 
This is not a sermon of five easy steps to have a happier family. But what we're talking about this morning is placing him upon the throne seat of our heart, giving him the steering wheel of our lives, surrendering to him that we might say, not my will, but your will be done. And if we will do that, if we will do that, you'll say, well, what's the result? What's the payoff? Why should I consider making that surrender to him? Why? It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, or it's the results of when the Spirit of God is alive and active. Here it is. There will be a greater sense of love. Do you need more love? You need more love in your home? There will be a greater sense of joy. Do you need more joy? Do you need, there will be a greater sense of patience. Do you need more patience in your home? Do you need more kindness in your home? Do you need more goodness in your home? Do you need more faithfulness in your home? Gentleness and self-control. And by all means, don't try to live this out in your own power. You will fail. Surrender to him. And now we end where we began. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength.